0: what is up ladies and gentlemen welcome back to the kingdom my name is drums again i will be your host this evening uh joined with me two lifelong friends two brothers in the minds behind king golf first up on the t we'll switch it up we'll go to Joran this time jordan oh.
1: how you doing man i'm doing good
0: i got a new mic doing mike doing mike there we go. Good start for
1: the I, vocabulary. Doing good. trying to mic. So hopefully you guys can hear me. I don't know. I think it looks like you guys keep freezing on me, but I think you guys are just doing this now. I'm drinking a Sol beer, SOL. That's your and, girlfriend. I, yeah. Well, usually every time I go to the liquor store for the last couple of weeks, they're completely sold out. I seen somebody buying one last week, and that's the first time I've ever seen somebody other than you drinking them. Well, let me know where they're at, because lc has been sold out for the past couple weeks, so this is my last one. Heck of a beer! And next it's up on me. the tea
0: is brother Regan. What's going on, Rich? How you doing? Sure, that's kind of rare that
2: you have the uh, honors, eh?
1: Yeah, the drums really, really <laughs> threw me off guard there. It threw me off, guard. I, I can't speak afterwards. I'm fumbling
2: I fumbling shit me on, on the house. pod in real life, but. Way. <laughs> Speaking
0: um, of
2: that, uh, what happened? What happened in Gilbert
1: on on Monday? Who won? Uh, I, the guy who plays there every day.
2: Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> strokes! Yeah, I, I probably won. I don't know with strokes. I don't know. Yeah, I probably still would have won on Monday. It was a mm-hmm. Beauty day, anyways. What did yeah, you? Shoot? What was I on Monday? George, seventy two or seventy three? I don't know, I remember. One of the two, I was there. Get it going, but
0: what do you guys yeah. play? Do you, like, do you usually like play for something? Like, if it's just you two at the lake, do you guys like bet five bucks or something?
2: It's, or it's just... almost like you. It's almost like you knew that we do. <laughs> uh, we got this, Tori. You, you would know better who it came from, but yeah, we basically had a bag tag that every time we play at the lake, I gave him a couple strokes, and we. We play a match, and whoever wins gets to keep that in his bag until the next time we play each other at the lake. Possible. Oh, cool. Where's it from again, Jordan? It's from the United Kingdom. It's where we got all our
1: ball markers. So I don't know if it was because the order was a little bit late, or if he was just being a nice guy. But he threw in a bag tag that kind of matches the ball markers. It's a it's a really nice brass, polished brass. So there was only one of it, only one of them, and I figured we'd fight over it or something. So I figured we might as well. Turn it into some sort of competition, just like everything else in our life. Hey,
2: here we go. Oh, yeah. golf
1: no, there's been some battles elsewhere.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, you, mini you, hockey. You missed all drums.
0: That one time he was curb stomping you outside. <laughs> that was my birthday. Yeah, that was a bad. That was a bad one. I had to walk away from that one.
1: I think curb stomping is probably a.
0: It was aggressive, but like he was laying across the curb and you stomp on his gut. <laughs>
1: I'm so scarred. Okay, we don't yeah, uh, let's quit digging up bad memories for real. <laughs> yeah. We'll need We're a so therapy session
0: dumb. after this. Crumbie, what are you up to, buddy? Not much, man. Uh, playing this week? I played yesterday our match. Forgot that my uh, partner was on holiday, so I went went solo. Oh boy. I actually have no idea if I won or not. <laughs> I chased over there after I was done. I didn't even care.
1: <laughs> so you went one V two? One V
2: two. Me and Ronnie actually uh we had to finish the last three holes of a match we were playing last Tuesday before we got rained out. So we went two and oh yesterday, so it brings us to a uh in the standings at three and four. So that's that's really good for us.
0: I think we're two
2: and six. Just getting worked. <laughs> we played Args and Mertz yesterday. It was pretty fun. Oh, they played again? Yeah. And you got them. Yeah, we got them. Me and Mertz and, uh, had a $20 bet during the weekend shenanigans too, so it was nice to take 20 bucks off them too. I think me and Mertz are – we're, we've, we've got 12 teams in the league and
1: we're in about fifth place right now and there's about four teams log jammed at about the same amount of points, so top six get in to the A-side finals and the bottom six go down to the oh. B-side finals, so we're, we're cutting it close, but I don't know that we've ever been in the A-side. How many weeks left? Only three.
0: Really? Huge jumps? Christ, we go to like middle of September. For a regular yeah. season, though, no. I guess like it ends in the middle of September, so we probably got. I guess we're in the middle of July, or something.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, we probably got four, five, maybe.
2: I think we got two left, and then there's lots of farmers around this area, though. So we we usually like to wrap it up pretty early, so we're not missing everybody at the end of the year. Yeah. Uh, we try
1: to charge before our tamarack starts, which is usually mid-August, so. Oh, really? Playoffs will start at the end of July for three weeks, and then we have our year-end tournament right after the Tamarack so it's a lot of golf. Our year-end
0: wind-up, like, we usually play, like, a scramble or something, everybody, and then have steak dinner. Past two
2: years, we've had the bowl because it snowed. It was so late. So you guys are kind of in, like, uh, leagues that, like, you guys kind of created them on your own. Like, they're not necessarily the club's league just basically self ran leagues. Yeah, it's like a group of friends
0: kind of started the one I'm in. And then uh, my cousins were in it and
2: I needed
1: a league to play in, so
2: you two drawer. Yeah, it
1: was me and another couple guys that started it 5 years ago I think. So we started with 8 teams of 2 and then we got to 10 and then we got to 12. And it's been awesome. I I've, I've met tons of tons of great guys in that league. And the majority of them are between say 25 to 35. There's a few yeah. a little bit older, but, and they're for the most part, they're, you know, 20 handicap and under. So it's, it's fairly competitive and it's uh, right. a, a group of guys. And a lot of us work together and we help each other with business stuff and it, it worked. Yeah, out
2: right. See, like in Gilbert, both men's nights, like, I mean, the course is shut down Thursday nights because it's the nine-hole league. And then Tuesdays is the is the, the also-club-ran men's night, which is 18 holes. So there's not really any, say, leagues of their own in Gilbert. Like, it's all – I guess it kind of takes everyone around here, though, to form a league. Grand's a little yeah. different. There's more people there. But, yeah, it's different. Yeah, I guess
0: there you need, like, everybody to have, like, enough teams and that type of thing, Right. Right. Do you have to uh like Jordan, do you guys have to like arrange something pre hand with the or like pre- ahead of time with the, the
1: course? Like do you have to pay run, like to, well, tea times all the time or <coughs> anything like that? No, we just have a standing tea time every Thursday from four forty to five thirty. Yeah. Oh so it's not even shotgun? No. Oh. Which is pretty good because there's some guys who can't cut off work till five. Yeah. And then it doesn't clog up the whole course. Hmm. So it's been working well. We we The first couple of years, we had some issues with guys show, not showing up. But this year, I think the attendance has been pretty much 100%. So, so it, it changes things a little when you start threatening guys with zero points if they don't show up or if they play a match late.
2: So if you, like, is there any nights that are blocked off at either one of your courses?
1: Not anymore for us, I don't think. No. There used to be one. It was city run, but I think Dave's a little bit smarter than that. I shouldn't say smarter, but he's he knows how to operate a golf course a little bit better, I think. Right. Like, you mean block it off, like, just for, a
0: like, the whole league to go out? Yeah, like, Thursdays, that's how it can go. Like, the whole course is shut down. Yeah, Tuesdays, like, because we only play nine, so he'd shut down nine down.
2: Right.
0: And then every, every other week, we'd rotate. Oh yeah. So front to back. And then uh but this year it's not shotgun, so like they've spaced the tea times out starting at like six to seven. Right. And everybody just goes off either the front or the back. So it is, I guess, the week has most of the course.
2: Right. But it's not shut down. No. Yeah. Hmm.
0: Have uh have guys started like been staying at the clubhouse and like drinking in after after rounds?
2: Yeah. Yeah, there's quite a few. Oh, well, it's nice to have the patio too and go well, to like, with are, are you like spaced out? No. No. I mean, <laughs> I don't know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Depends who's listening.
2: Yeah. Snitching. No, you go, you don't, know the most part, for not.
1: Rigo, you, you can't just nod for an answer. You know, everybody can't see the video.
2: Yeah. Good
1: point. <laughs>
2: yeah, maybe someday. Hey, what it's, a we they, it's a good thing they can't because I'm wearing a uh, golf shirt underneath the hoodie. so That's no, okay. That happens a lot.
1: <laughs> what do we got on the agenda tonight, boys? We got uh, our normal stuff for the second segment. In the first part, do we want to get into some Ryder Cup stuff? Did you guys see the news today? I didn't. I just saw your text and I, I'm still in shock.
2: It's an absolute dagger. That it is a
1: dagger. It sucks. But I was, yeah. I was so pumped for November and October full of like good golf, especially the Ryder Cup, but I can understand. the Ryder Cup is built on the fans and it changes yeah. the momentum and stuff like that. I don't think that it would be the same without fans there, honestly.
2: No, I don't think so at all.
1: It it wouldn't be the same, but it would still be entertaining.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. And yeah, like no or September what were they doing it, October? I think so. Or November. But, like, here we can't golf, so then we have nothing else to do other than watch it now Yeah, at that yeah. time. So I was looking forward to that. We'll still get
1: some majors in that time of the year, though, the Masters. Oh, yeah. yeah, it was,
0: like,
2: for back-to-back-to-back weekends, it was, like, yeah. sick tournaments. Yeah. And that's how it's going to be in real life, too. There's going to be so many tournaments at the end of the year, like, f- around here. Holy smokes. Yeah. I got an absolute stack September. Well, really end of August
1: Three months into September. Three months worth of tournaments and stuff into one
2: month. I honestly have like uh in order like the like Tamrack, the Kings tournament, our Agassiz Cup, and there's one more in there. And then the Gary Brown's at the end of September. Like it's gonna be stupid. How many tournaments in a row? It's gonna be tough on the old uh, liver, but anyways because <laughs> then we'll
0: like when are we going to hecla at the start of August so like that'll be in there too then
2: yeah. hey, tonight right I'm going to Granite the Hills the year. Granite Hills the weekend before that I think and then that tournament this weekend so it's <laughs> it's coming up golf soon here on
1: Instagram today we put out a question to the followers and and uh the people on there about what their golf goals were for 2020 and we got a few answers back it wasn't uh it definitely wasn't overwhelming answers but the majority of them there's a kind of a theme involved and that was shoot lower scores some people said break 80 some people said to consistently shoot in the 80s some people said shoot 85 to or 80 to 85 consistently. So kind of what we wanted to talk, we, the main idea was we're going to discuss some of our goals for golf and kind of just discuss goals and how they impact our end situations in life. But I think we're going to kind of change gears a little bit. And one thing I've been fascinated with lately, especially is the mental side of golf. And it's probably going to be part one of, 500 in these podcasts I kind of it's it's a theme that I want to talk about more often than not so to kick things off I guess in that sense I kind of want to just discuss a little bit with you guys get your thoughts on it get your different experiences on how you've dealt with it and the good and the bad of it Rigo I guess I'll start with you I would say for a person who's trying to break 80 and and changing your swing or going to the range for 30 days straight, do you think that's the answer? Or do you think that there's something else that they could be doing? Because I, I believe that it's it's 98% mental. And a, a swing change can't take your
2: game down by five strokes or ten strokes. Do you? No. There's lots. The guys, honestly, that shoot high 70s to 85, they're there really isn't that much difference in their golf game. I would say the the biggest difference between a guy that shoots in a high 70s consistently and a guy that's 85 and every round he leaves the course thinking, man, I could have been lower. It's just those decisions that you make during the round. And like, just for an example, like golfing with dad, like if he's got a 30 yard shot over a bunker he doesn't take his medicine and maybe make a bogey instead of trying to get at the pin and make a par. And instead he, he hits it in the bunker and then he brings double bogey into play. And it's it's, it's shots like that, that if you just cut those out one at a time, I mean, that would get you closer to your end goal sooner. Trums, what do you think about that?
1: I guess just to give a little bit of context here for the three of us, Full consent, none of us are PGA certified or anything on those lines. Rego's about a one to three handicap. I would be a seven to eight handicap drums. What are you about? 14, 16-ish. Yeah. So we got kind of three different levels here. So it's, it's good in that sense that we don't all have the same thinking and we don't shoot the same score. So I thought that this would be pretty beneficial to a lot of people out there. But drums if well like what would be the difference for you in a a round where you'd shoot 90 versus 80 on the mental side of things like um well like like reg said like no
0: or actually like play smart like i'll be maybe just off the the fairway or something like that and just try to hit like some shot that i shouldn't be hitting or try muscling a club that i have no business hitting that range so like little little mental aspects like that um when i've i find when i do actually um go to the range and and if i know i have to work on something like even just slowing my swing down like i had to do that this year like i couldn't get off the tee box it was the most embarrassing thing right and so like i knew i had to slow things down so like i did actually go spend time at the range and force myself to do it correctly. So then I would go to the course and not think about shooting in the seventies, just focused on what I actually had to do to hit the ball the way I wanted to, right? Like go through your kind of pre-shot routine, all that. And then I started golfing better again. And then along with that came confidence. So basically it's like you said, it's 95% mental. To an extent, now there will be guys that shoot whatever 105 to 115. That like you're not going to go and shoot
1: 75 tomorrow, right? Yeah, there's a there's definitely a range where it makes a big difference. But those guys who are shooting 115 could probably use some some mental floss, as you would say, I guess. For sure. In terms of well, course management would be big. I don't know if that's so much mental, but Course yeah. management.
0: Course management's huge for 100%, higher handicaps, right? Hundred percent. Yeah. Like if you hit, like- if you hit your five wood, like I, I tell this to my dad too. Like if he hits his five wood two hundred and thirty yards, but he knows he's hitting it, like fine, just bunt that sucker down there, and then we'll figure out chipping once you get up there. Like he's a gas mm-hmm. can with chipping. Like, but then at the same time, chipping too. Like it's like well do I use a wedge from here? It's like, well, no, you can probably just bump and run it and just have a better success by doing it that way. Instead of trying to hit a shot that you just can't do. Right.
1: Yeah, do you lost. What's that? Just going back to dad there, because the focus, the focus on this was kind of like the mental part of it. So if say you had that same shot where you're four, 50 yards from the green and with a bunker in front or saving 20 yards with a bunker right in front or water, whatever it may be. What goes through your head when you're about to hit the shot in
2: terms of your routine slash thoughts? Through through my I, – I honestly – I'm just trying to make up and down. I To tell you, it's just – it's kind of – it's different to play with so many guys on men's night that see the bunker there, I guess. Or if there's a pond in front of the green, they see the pond. Like, I don't know. It's just – I guess it's different ways to look at it in conference. So for you, it's do you,
0: job. sorry, it's like step in or whatever, but for you, you don't, see, so you said like, you don't see the bunker or the water for you. Do you just picture like a five or six
2: foot circle around the pin and that's your yeah. target? That's basically yeah. all you see. Yeah. I like literally, I look at the slopes around the hole and I, I just try to figure out where I have to land the ball because I know it's going to check up, and I know it's going to, so I just pick a spot to hit to. And then honestly, like, I, I don't know. I don't think about the stuff between me and the hole. Cause you can't really, you just got to pick a spot and try to hit to there. It's like when you're driving, right? You can't look where you're. Right. Is it going? Yeah. You don't like, you want to look past where you're, where you're going. Right. Yeah. Honestly, like it's weird, but that's, that's what you're talking about. Joy. Like it's all, it's all mental and how you view things. I, I don't know. I would agree. I don't see I don't I think about the bunker
1: like I am aware that it's there, but I just put my complete focus on the spot that I need to land and I can kind of see it where I need Mm -hmm. to land it as it as it'll roll out just through Mm -hmm. experience, I guess. But what would you say? And this might be tapping into your memory a little bit, but when you're golfing your best, or say, you know, you're a couple on your par or one of the best rounds you've had. What are you thinking about or are you thinking, or was there any specific thoughts in your head that you were
2: focusing on? Uh, I think if you overthink it, that's when you kind of get into trouble. The round the lowest round I ever had, and you guys, well, you know for sure, George, like I was 62 at Dolphin that day. And like, if you asked me after 13 holes what I was at, like I I honestly didn't know what I was at. Like I was just kind of one of those days where like I missed a few, putts inside ten feet. It was just like if you don't have anything going wrong and everything's just coasting along, that's when you golf your best, in my opinion. Like, right. If you're golfing with a couple of good players and there's no, you're not looking in the bush. Everything's just all yeah, right. Dialed in. I think that's when you you play your best. On the flip side of that, I think if you're if you start the the
1: round with a couple good holes and all of a sudden you you know, slice one mm-hmm. the or something. It's a little harder to come back from that. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that I forget where I read it or listened to it, but it said basically you need to, unless you're no, actually no matter what level you're at, you need to be prepared to scramble. Mm-hmm. There's not going to be ever an easy round out there. And the more you can accept the bad shots slash you know, it kind of gets rid of the fear if you don't really care what's going to happen. I mean, you care, but if you are prepared for that to happen, then you can kind of readjust and keep going down the path. Whereas if you're if you're waiting for a perfect round, it's just never going to happen.
2: Yeah, well, that's right. It's ne- it never will. But, and I find that I
1: golf better actually if I bogey the first hole or start with a higher score because then I start playing a little
2: bit more aggressive instead of just trying to hang on there and hang in there. The thing that I have I used to struggle with, it's not I don't so much anymore. I used to get four or five over like early. Like say you make a couple doubles. I used to get really rattled and you you start trying to get every shot back with every swing. But I've kind of taught myself just to say I am five over through six or something. Then I challenge myself in the last 12 holes to see how low I can go yeah, in those 12 holes. I don't even know what I'm at at the end of the round because I know what I'm at in the last 12 holes. And you kind of, you got to kind of just block that stuff out and just keep rolling. But on the flip side of that, if you start
1: even or you're not used to being even, you're almost yeah. just waiting for something bad to happen, right? Right. Oh, 100%. like where's that miss coming in? Yeah. And then it comes, and then you're like,
2: okay, well, I'm just back to where I was and where I've always been. I think the I'm, thing with that, you have to, you have to do it once or twice, and then to know that you can do it. And it's just, it would be the same with breaking eight. Actually, once you yeah. once you shoot 79 once, then it gets easier. And then you but why then is it Why is that so hard though? It's a mental hurdle. It, it for sure is because you start gripping it tighter, and you get adrenaline, and you hit it farther, and you don't account for the adrenaline. And then it's just there's a lot that goes into it that it like you said it is mostly mental why guys can't shoot in the 70s and and something that i've tried to
1: kind of counteract that with was instead of like i usually do i'll do my goals for the year and say april or whenever i start getting fired up to golf i'll make i'll write a few things down and instead of saying break eight, break uh shoot par at this course i kind of went to shoot minus three or something like that just to kind of push the limit a little bit further mm-hmm. hasn't i mean the season's not over yet but i think that that might be part of it if that's my goal is to shoot minus three then i might land on even par yeah and not even realize it i think there's mm-hmm. levels to it too and like you have to be
0: decently honest with yourself and like your abilities too like i'm not going into a course and thinking I'm shooting three under like I know that's just not in my bag mm-hmm. right like and I went like he's winning I'll have a couple bad holes and I started to do it more now where I'll think of it almost as a match play or it's just okay the next one and the next yeah. one and then so yeah. you just deal with those last holes when you when you get to the scorecard really but I'm one that as soon as I know I'm like even or something like that or like I realize it and make conscious of it I'm off the rails yeah yeah because like I get the anxiety of like oh you're going to do it
2: and then but but the reality is like you I guess like you can't be uh you're still going to go out the next week at men's night and things are going to be the exact same even if you shoot 75 you know what I mean nothing's going to change that you still got to go to work the next day that's what I've kind of started to realize too about golf like you just if I, 66, off if, if I shoot 66 if I shoot sixty six today, I still go to work as an insurance guy tomorrow. Yeah. So it takes the pressure off. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's
0: – the, the, other other, the other one I got this year from another golf podcast before play and they had the Jonas Brothers on. And the guy was like – I had a uh, – I think it was a pro, I think he said. But he had a pro just say, like, you're nowhere near good enough –
2: to be mad about golf. Exactly. And I used to get, like, rattled on the course of bad. Me too. I don't even get mad, really, anymore.
1: Yeah, so I'm, like, I'm not good enough to be mad. You put too much pressure on yourself on a
2: round-to-round basis, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Probably why I golf better when I'm drunk. Yeah. (laughs) Sure, because you'd be looser. Yeah. You know what, also, just one last thing to touch on that subject. I think the biggest thing the biggest hurdle a guy needs to get in terms of breaking 80 is just eliminate as many doubles as you can because doubles are the ones that absolutely kill your rounds bogeys you can get back you can make a birdie but doubles I mean that's you're shooting yourself in the foot big time so let's yeah. uh, that's, that's what I was going to ask you because breaking
1: 80 or shooting consistently 80 to 85 that's kind of a hard goal to really because if you're if you're chasing that goal, that's what's in the back of your mind every round, right? And that's what you're focused on. And is the second you start thinking about your score, and it happens to me 90% of rounds. As soon as I start thinking about my score, I completely go back to what my handicap is. You play to your handicap. Right. But if you can focus on if you're 85 if you're trying to shoot 80 to 85 consistently maybe the focus should be on no like no three putts right instead yeah. of instead of hitting the green and taking a run at, a, at the hole just lag it in there and and make a two putt because three putts kill you double bogeys kill you triple bogeys are i mean you're done top. So instead of focusing on the score part, I think that if you put your focus on other things that would lead to the score going down, I think that that might be a better way to do things. And I, and I could probably take a lesson from that too. Just saying that out loud because even the fact that I had my goal is to shoot under par and around, that's what I'm focused on. Right. And then that's in the back of my brain every time I'm close to it. And then I lose track of where I'm at, which is yeah. all you need to be on the golf course. Just focusing on
0: the,
2: the score, not necessarily living in the moment for, like, even the shot you're about to hit, yeah. Right. Yeah. And, yeah, Snoop, Snoop said on when we asked the best, received, yeah, the best piece of advice you've ever received at the the best piece of advice you ever received, he said don't follow up a bad shot with a dumb shot. And I think that's what a lot of guys that shoot 80, 80 to 85 do as well. They try to get everything back. What's the next one? Like try to make a par from there where if they just chipped out, they're probably making bogey and they're only losing one shot. Instead, they hit the top of the tree and it goes in the bush and then you're, you're picking up for auto triple. And then. It's yeah. Just- that's, that's,
1: that's great advice actually. And if you get a couple triple bogeys, it's pretty hard to set any kind of score with that. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. And one thing Rigo was the unplayable lies. Mm hmm. That's another thing that I know that me and you were talking about last time we were on the golf course, wherever that was. And there's a lot of guys who are, you know, three feet into the bush or two feet into the bush, take a whack at it and it goes North. An inch or through the next fairway or into the bunker or something where if you just take a stroke and you get yourself into this, for most guys that are going to be playing, the rules aren't that fussy on where you drop the ball, right? Right. In the, in the PGA or something, you might have to go back 100 yards before you're playing by the rules. But if you take a stroke and you get yourself back in play, you're, you're making a bogey instead of looking at a triple. It's, it's that kind of stuff that, that can send you from a 90 to an 82 pretty quick, I think.
2: Yeah, for yeah. sure.
1: Anyways, like I said, I think that that's one thing that I really want to talk about into further detail going forward. And I would like to have... Some input, maybe from people, or if anybody knows anybody who deals with that kind of stuff, uh, we'd love to. Oh, definitely. that's that's interesting. And I think that that's something that we'll strive for moving forward.
2: And with a lot of that stuff, like as soon, I I wouldn't be able to tell you a lot of that stuff until you ask the questions. And that kind of it's stuff that I just think comes for I take for granted, I guess. But that is that's the big difference i guess
1: yeah and guys just some guys and including myself and it's something that i'm trying to educate myself on Mm -hmm. and and it's one thing another thing that i thought of just one last thing on it was your natural instincts are are not going to change much or you go like you've made a few swing changes in your life and it and it hurt you more than anything right so you kind of figured out what worked for you and worked on different assets of your game and Mm -hmm. i think that would be one thing where if someone's struggling, it might not be your swing. It might be a small adjustment that you need to make, whether it's stand a little bit further away. But it's it's upstairs and between your ears, I think, that is really going to shave some significance. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm.
0: yeah nobody has to I have
2: a tiger swing, not everybody, right? right? Oh, man. I went through uh, – we'll, t- we'll touch on it on a later date. But, yeah, I'll, we'll get to that later. Because that's another 20-minute conversation, so. Yeah, and
1: you talk about the the putter being such an important part of the game, but you could you could hit a thousand putts in your basement and you're not going to be a better putter. It's it's stuff like oh. the mental, yeah. part of watching the ball or thinking about the ball pouring into the hole
2: or where you want it to fall into the hole. Like that's all up here, right? So I changed that grip on my putter, man. The last three rounds, I've I've actually made a few putts outside six feet, and it's like honestly, like. Seeing the ball go in is like the best feeling in the world.
1: Yeah. And it's nothing that you could have practiced in your basement, right? No. That too. I think that's it for tonight for the that discussion. Like I said, it's something that we'll, we'll continue to monitor and discuss going forward. I, it's something that fascinates the, the heck out of me. So I think that there'll be other people that get some, some good stuff out of it. So we'll leave it at that and we'll get to the next segment here. Tonight's free ad is brought to you by Mrs. Dash. Extra spicy seasoning blend. If you've heard this before, you've listened to our podcast. (laughs) Actually, that's a lie because I didn't know what it was last week, but I dug it out of my drawer and I have it in front of me now. Mrs. Dash is excellent on Caesars. (laughs) On chicken. (laughs) And the best part about it is, it's salt-free. If you like Caesar's and you like chicken? Check out Mrs. Dash. It can be found at your local grocery store in the spice aisle. It's about five bucks. So, if you want to spice up your life, get some Mrs. Dash. I'm Ricky Bobby. If you don't chew Big Red, then fuck you.
0: <laughs> you know,
2: don't if you on. don't use Miss Dash, then fuck you.
1: We are recording. We're back. Before we get into the second segment here, I f- figure we should just discuss a few different things. Um, since we have a few followers and few listeners already, we could squeeze in a few comments and questions that have come up um, based on the previous episodes. So the first comment we had, and you guys haven't heard any of these yet, first comment we had was, Colton Easton loved the fact that Rikishi was your favorite wrestler, ego. <laughs> Stink face. He said he laughed out loud pretty hard at that. So do you have any further comments on that? Or did have you have you let it soak in since you
2: confessed that to the world? Yeah, uh, when I when I listened to the <laughs> the recording of it, I was pretty embarrassed that I said Rikishi and that I actually <laughs> admitted I admitted on the podcast that it was kind of weird that he was my favorite. But I think I more so like Scotty with him. Kishi was his sidekick, so he got mixed in there. Yeah, he's in the mix. Well, there was three of them, right? There was, uh, I think there's another weird guy, but I wasn't a huge fan. Scotty, too hotty, Brian, too cool.
0: Like I don't
2: know. That. I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, thanks, Cole.
1: Yeah, and we had another comment that uh, Brittany Workentine was looking for a bit more entertainment. She was, She's not a huge golfer, but she wanted to listen in anyways. So she was hoping for some e-news or some entertainment news. So I told her I would ask Drums about Kanye's recent decision to run for president of the United States. Drums? Oh, I could go deep on this one. <laughs> okay, all you need to say is do you think he has a chance to win? I don't think he has a chance to win. I don't think he's actually going to run. Because he announced it years ago, right, that he was planning to do it. It just never really happened. Yeah. But now it's official? No. No. Like, he hasn't signed
0: up. Like, you have to do paperwork to do it, and he hasn't done that. And then if, like, you dig deep on Twitter, like, he was hammered that night. Like, there's evidence that he was just buckled when he sent out that tweet. So, (laughs) Who knows? Okay, 'll well, we'll follow up on another time with that one, but I love Kanye's music. I don't know. I like the person, yeah,
1: yeah that's cool. and people are comparing um him to Trump, and the furthest though, I want to get as far as we can away from politics in this in this podcast, but this is kind of just a funny thing, but him and Trump are totally different people. They might think the same and egotistical wise, but they couldn't be further um uh, part i don't think on a lot of things so that would be quite scary i think
2: Is there anyway, any conspiracy theories about it that i could go into that i'm
1: not yeah we'll we'll
2: save that for another time. we'll hold off. yeah yeah you guys know how i feel about this
1: maybe we'll do a special edition just me and drums on some what what people call conspiracy
2: theories yeah just don't you know, associate kingdom
1: yeah that's what i said i want to stay as far away from that as we can what if we do that and go missing yeah, that's what I'm worried about. <laughs> <laughs> Reggie Stroke
2: Savers, uh, yeah. third edition. Where are we at tonight? Well, I got a pretty basic tip, but I've I've started doing it lately, and it's actually shaved a few strokes off my game. So, and I I want to mention it, but it doesn't mean you have to do it every tee box. So the stroke saver this week is. Uh, a lot of the times, and golf is a a sport that takes quite a bit of time. Um, rounds are usually about three and a half to five hours, depending on who you're with. And in the past year or two, a lot, a lot of the time when I hit bad shots, I step up to the ball and something doesn't feel right. But I'm golfing with, at times, guys that I don't really know. And I don't want to be that guy to... Back away because I just kind of want to – you're up to the ball and you kind of just want to get it over with. Yeah. But, like, I mean, if you're going to be on the golf course for four hours and you don't feel right over the ball, like – and there's there's a difference between not feeling confident over the shot and just your alignment feeling way off or something feeling way off. Yeah. So I've started backing off in those situations where I know I'm going to hit it bad. And it's probably shaved anywhere from two to four strokes off every round. Just avoiding that shot that I know was going to be bad anyways, but I was kind of just hustling it up mm-hmm. just to appease the guys that I'm golfing with, even though we're out there for over four hours anyways, like an extra five seconds isn't going to make or break the round. Right. So I, I would say just the, the tip that if it doesn't feel right, like if something really feels off, just take a step back and realign and And get a clear head on it instead of trying to adjust while you're standing up to the ball. I I think I would
1: have two comments on that. The first one would be, once you step back, what do you? Just a reset. Just a reset. You don't go three or four routine. No. What do you? You just completely wipe things
2: out and get a good thought in there. Not even. It's not even so much the thoughts. It's just sometimes I step up and my feet are. I can just feel everything lined up in the bush or I can feel it. I'm so far open. I know I'm going to block it. It's just something doesn't feel right.
1: Right.
2: And instead of wiggling your feet and taking five more seconds over the ball, just step back and get a, get a clear mind and just step back up to it. And like like I said, don't do it every shot. Like, don't okay. do it when you're not feeling confident on the, on the tee box. That Then it won't change anything. But if, some, if something in your setup just feels off, just, just step back.
1: But well, with that, the second part I was going to say was if you're not if you're not used to doing that ever, like whether it's with your buddies or in a casual setting, you're never going to do that in a tournament, right? So if you right. don't feel comfortable enough to do it when you're with your friends, there's a very slim chance that you're actually going to tell yourself to step away. Say you're playing in a tournament of some sorts with strangers. Because mm-hmm. you need to have that some sort of comfort level, so I don't think you have to wait until it's the worst case scenario going through your brain to step back. I think is something that you could just get comfortable doing, and you do it quite a bit not like a, yeah. an annoying amount by any means, but you do it one or two times around, I would say, right?
2: Yeah, and when I do it, I kind of just make like a stupid comment, like, Oh, that was getting hooked into the campground, That's like, Oh, that cool. one was. That one was a block because I know it is like I know my swing and I know my setup well enough that I know it's going to be a bad shot and I used to just rush it and hit one out of bounds and then I'm spending the, the next five holes trying to get those two shots back where I could have just stepped back and not done that. Mm-hmm. But, yeah why waste my... your time and
0: just doing something you know that's not going to
1: be correct. Exactly. Or worse. Yeah. 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 Well if you think about that saving five seconds to reset versus Losing a ball Dude, or something like looking that, looking for yeah. For balls or going back to your five bag minutes to the one. ball, yeah, yeah. So you're not saving any time. No. And it's, I'll go back to it again, but in that in the Zen Golf book, the, he calls that a, a an anyways shot. Yeah, So If exactly. you're if you're going to hit a ball and something doesn't feel right and you proceed with it anyways, yeah. or you, you grab the wrong club from the cart. And instead of going back to get it, you just hit it anyways. like, that's what he talks about. And if you can get rid of, if you can get rid of as many of those as you can, I think that that would go a long ways, even in terms of the stuff we were talking about before.
2: Humongous, man. Like humongous.
1: Yeah, that's, that's good, Rigo. I like that a lot. Drums, you got a new name for yours tonight?
0: Yeah, Reg came up with something this
1: afternoon. We'll see, uh, see what the people think.
0: What are we calling it? Drumsies Culture Corner? Yeah, baby. All right. So, uh, yeah, with that, I'm going to give recommendations, TV shows, movies, maybe some booze that uh, is tickling the palate these days or kind of anything in between. Um, tonight, the <laughs> tonight I got um, – It's a new show we started. Uh, it's an HBO documentary series. It's called I'll Be Gone in the Dark. And it's um, – It's a documentary series about the Golden State Killer, um, who was kind of like, if you're a true crime junkie, you kind of, like I am, like you kind of follow all these serial killers and watch documentaries and all of this morbid shit with all that stuff. But I don't know. I like that stuff. Uh, So he was a a killer that was never caught. Uh, He did some, I think it was like 50 rapes or something. They accounted to him and something like 15 murders. In this in the mid to late 70s and then kind of popped up again in other parts of the country and uh this documentary kind of follows this writer named Michelle McNamara who um I don't know if you guys know the the comedian Patton Oswalt yeah he's in a bunch of shows and stuff like that uh it's his wife so she's uh she was a true crime writer and then she got really immersed in in this case and uh did you guys watch that um Netflix documentary. Don't fuck with cats. No. So it's I like it was pretty good. It wasn't. Wasn't that about the killer in Montreal? Yeah. So it, like that one kind of shows like how the internet like kind of sleuth sleuth together and like basically try solving the case like just with the information that, that they can right. find on the internet and stuff. So that's what she did. She just kind of compiled all this stuff and then started writing a book and then she passed away. And then um, like a lot of her findings and stuff led to a bit of information that would have helped the case when it actually was solved. And it was solved um, very recently. I think it was just a couple of years ago that he was, he was caught. Yeah. Just last year, I think. So. And she had a bunch of the info. What's that? And she had a bunch of the info. that. Yeah. Like she, like from all the stuff that she gathered and, Like, she would go and interview the the detectives and stuff, like, retired detectives that worked on the case and get their info. And then she, like, just spent years on this case, like, just putting everything together. And then, like, it's a crazy way how this guy gets caught. So, um, the second episode just aired on Sunday. Um, So, I think that's... Well, is not one episode. episode. Yeah, well, then another... I think it's a six-parter, but uh, it's just a weekly thing.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. What's it
0: called? I'll be gone in the dark.
1: I'll be gone in the dark. I'll be yeah. damned.
0: And that's, that's my uh, culture corner for the evening.
1: Culture corner. I like that. <laughs> that's what Grandpa Hal used to say all the time. Well, I'll be damned.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, uh, is it my turn? It's
0: your turn, buddy. What do you got? Uh, you spitting some uh, wisdom at us?
1: Yeah, I had a hard time deciding between two things today. Also, to any
0: listeners or anything, anybody following along, if you can yeah. come up with a good name for uh, Jor's
1: segment here, send it our way. We are struggling. It's hard to name because it's kind of absolutely all over the place. It's a bit of everything. <clears throat> Especially tonight. No. Well, tonight's yeah. Tonight's just on par with everything else. So I'm going to split this between two. The first one's really quick, and it was something that happened to me today when I was driving. And for anybody who's familiar with Brandon. There's a bridge and people have a very hard time merging onto it instead of using two lanes and merging in they'll back up four city blocks just to stay in the same lane so they don't have to be uncomfortable and cut somebody off. So today I was crossing the street that everybody's in this one lane on and the people I couldn't cross green light because there was people lined up for four blocks because they wouldn't merge. So like they were in the middle of the road hundred percent two vehicles were not just one I couldn't even go around and there's two people blocking it and instead of going into the other lane like a normal person would do they just sat there and I'm like okay I need to get word out here so if you are in Brandon and if you do not use the right-hand lane to merge on 18th street please for the love of god please start doing it that's part one there's a lot of jackasses in this town that won't let you in. But they think that they're I'm one of them. That won't let people in?
2: Yeah.
1: Oh, I love it. I'm just like waving people through. I'm like, yeah, man, thank you for using this lane. Get in. Come on in. <laughs> but people are just scared to be dicks, but they're being even bigger dicks by staying in that lane and backing up traffic for blocks. So just a PSA, use the right merging lane on 18th Street if you're in Brown. Okay, so the second part of this one. It is an idea, and I'm hoping that if we talk about it, it might come true, or it will come true, if we throw it out there. 2021, we want to do a tournament, 3-3-3, it'll be called. Something to do with King Golf, maybe. Main sponsor. So the 3-3-3 is three-person scramble, three days, three different courses. And the reason that I wanted to put it out there is we got to start planning it soon, probably for the next summer. And we would love to have some people on board with it, whether you want to be a sponsor for it, whether you want to help plan it, whether you have some ideas for different courses slash transportation that we could use, we would love to hear it. So whether it's tweet us, reach out to us on Instagram, text us, we really want to make this thing happen. I think, we think that it would be uh something well nobody's doing something like that right now and i think that there's a there's a lot of very serious golfers out there that would that would be all over that so like i said just an idea hoping it comes true and if there's anything that you can help us out with on that in terms of absolutely anything just let us know
2: yeah i think that'd be a blast yeah, that'd be sweet
1: there are some logistic-
2: this summer, but kind of got us that yeah, time that's right. There are some logistic
1: logistical issues, but when you kind of get into something like that and you get a few different people involved, those things usually just take care of themselves in some sense, so yeah, somebody knows somebody that'll have that's right, so let's get to the last segment. Rigo looks like you've been chomping at the bit to get your question out there. You wouldn't tell us earlier,
2: so no, I had. It's, it's nothing crazy. It's more of a discussion than a question. But with all the buzz around Canadian golf right now, and it's, it's apparent and it's, it's awesome to see. I mean, Taylor's 102 right now, and it, he's two spots away from having four Canadian golfers in the top 100, which is unheard of. Mm-hmm. So in your guys' opinion, which Canadian golfer, if any, will be the next to crack the top 10 in the world rankings? Uh, just a fact, Mike Weir, the highest he got was third in the world, and that was in June of 2003. So right now, the current rankings, Adam Hadwin is 53rd, Corey Connors is 68th, Mackenzie Hughes is 99th, and Nick Taylor is 102.
1: When Weirzy won the Masters, what did that do to his ranking? Like, Does that
2: jump, does that catapult yeah. way ahead? Yeah, and then he uh, – in June it said he finished third at the U.S. Open and that bumped him up to third in the World Golf ranking. Oh, right, yeah.
1: So that would be the first step probably for one of them. It would be first to win a major, right? Yeah. And if you think about that, I mean, all three of those guys or all four of those guys that you talked about have had some close run-ins in, in some of the t- other tournaments. Yeah, How they've they- all
2: – I think they've all won.
1: I think Hadwin, he's the lowest ranked. He's probably been around the longest. I, my bet would be on him mostly because he he's kind of a shorter player, so it would have to be a, the right major form, him, a shorter course where the Brysons and the DJs can't take over the tournament. But he, he's so good with his, his iron game and his putter, and he's pretty consistent off the tee, but he just lacks the distance that those guys do. So it would have to be under the right circumstances. But I think that if he wins a major, I think – he could. He's got the most potential being there. trumps
0: Yeah, I'd agree with with Hadwin too. I don't know. I like Connors too, though. I I'm gonna pre- I'll throw a hot take out and predict that a Canadian wins a major in the next
1: two years. Oh, cool. that's on only eight. That. No, that's only seven because there's no Open this year. I like that. We're due, man. That is bold. That's bold. I, I couldn't love it anymore, though, to be honest with you.
2: Yeah. No, I'm, I'm in on
1: that. i put money on that.
2: I'm going to say for my answer quickly, I'm going to say Connors. I just think he's got, like, and I, I, nothing against Hadwin. I absolutely love watching Hadwin. I love how he, how he's a bit of a head case and he speaks his mind on the course and he bangs. I, I love that. But, I just think Connor's—he was a, an absolute dominant amateur for years, and I think he's got more of a an upside to to take over, not not just to be to finish top tens. I think he's got the chance to win a, a few tournaments in a year. Oh, we'll just go on a good yeah. run. Yeah. No, he, he like mid twenties, maybe or? Well, I thought he was a little. Like, bit he he might old. be my age actually. He might be twenty eight.
0: It's pretty cool to have like this many to cheer for on the tour. Right? Yeah. Like what did we yeah, have? Weirzy and Steven Ames. When we were younger. And David Hearn. All right. And then uh, what's the
2: guy from Saskatchewan now? Yeah, to let. I always forget about him. He's been out for like two years, doesn't he? He's actually, he was kind of making a comeback before. I think it's his back, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah.
1: But the, last week was the first time that three Canadians have ever been in the top 100. I think that's what Bob Weeks tweeted, right?
2: Yeah. That's
1: that's awesome,
2: actually. Uh, so Corey Connors is 28. So he's.
0: Well, he just be he coming into him. his prime, I guess.
2: Yeah, I would exactly. say so.
1: In terms of experience and stuff and probably getting a little bit stronger. Yeah. Drums. What's your cue for the night? I had
0: one, and then I realized we'd probably all have the same answer. Yeah, we don't want that. We want yeah. some hot takes, as uh, you would say. So my question, I don't even know why this was. Uh, what did you prefer growing up? Street hockey or um,
1: floor, uh, not floor, mini sticks? Rigo's got some funny stories about street hockey and Strathclair. We played a ton of both.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And and mini hockey,
1: actually. What's that? We have some funny stories about mini hockey and street hockey, and, and a lot of it got very heated. But Rigo, like in Strathclair, just for a little bit of context, in Strathclair, the population would be 250 to 300 people. So when we played street hockey, it was uh, a seven-year-old, or how old would you have been, Rigo? Oh, yeah, probably six or seven. A seven-year-old playing with a 16- or 17-year-old. Like, it wasn't all 12-year-olds or something. It was like – You needed the whole town to get a game going. Yeah. And I remember Rigo took a stick or something off the, the eye, and he's probably still got a scar there. He's, yeah, he's showing it. Yeah.
2: Took a big chunk out of my eye from a 15- or 16-year-old as a six- or seven-year-old. I, I used to take quite a quite a kicking when I was a, when a kid.
1: And a lot <laughs> of it was and a lot of it was well deserved, but Yeah, lots of it deserved. <laughs> yeah, you were a little Something.
2: shit. I've come a long way. And then I got chased by a big dog one day <laughs> when we were playing street hockey. <laughs> yeah. We we uh we would bark at this dog that was actually on a double leash and he'd be barking at us while we're playing street hockey and we'd bark back at him and just torment him. And he was a big oh, sheepdog. dog. And then all of a sudden, one day he snapped off the leash. <laughs> he was on top of Jorah with his paws on his chest on the street. <laughs> Just Maybe like that. I anyway, remember the first part of it. We're kind of getting away from the, the yeah. question. I, I would say street hockey myself. but I would say street hockey too. A little easier. Going, I, like, I like being a goalie. I'm
0: going, uh, I'm going mini sticks. These I mean, sticks was good in hotel rooms and stuff with your yeah. Stuff. There was no, you tape up the ball or tape up your socks. Use that for the ball.
2: Yeah, yeah, that was those were. Pretty we used good. to have we used to have good battles in your basement too. Oh yeah, we had nets down there, and we started smashing everything. You started smashing everything. Yeah, <laughs> I remember when you whipped the stick and it went through the
1: the wall. No, yeah. no. We have we have home video of me and Rigo in Strathclair basement. And dad would just – dad would come home after a long day of work, eat supper, maybe not even eat supper, and me and Rigo would just be f- revved up, like revved up. <laughs> and so dad would just lay there against the wall, with, and he put a jock strap on, obviously. And me and Rigo would just rip slap shots out of what the <laughs> ball, Like, he wouldn't move or play
2: goalie. He would just lay down, and we'd get so much joy out of that. He, yeah, you'd put on it. You'd put on one of those goalie masks, those croaky goalie masks, and put on a jock, and we would just rip tennis balls at him. And every shot, like it would be like oh. ten seconds of laughter, and then another guy would get hit. Just <laughs> pelt him with tennis balls, man. Oh god.
1: Yeah, I don't even remember what my freaking question was now after
2: going down Strathclyde Lane.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, mine directly ties into part one. So we heard from some of the Instagram followers. What their goals were, and I'm actually pretty interested to see whether you have goals or not for this year, and if you would like to share them with us. lots of silence here
2: yeah i I probably only have one goal just to, I've had a couple uh a couple of years of struggling in the tamrack, being outside the championship after being in there short. Six or seven years straight, and I've been outside of it for a couple of years, so that's probably my only goal this summer is just to get back in the championship. There,
1: did you write it down?
2: No, I wrote it down in my head. Fatal
0: mistake, fatal. I had a couple, I guess. Mine, uh, my main one was just to golf more like more than once a week, even just like our men's night night. Well, I wanted to golf a lot more, and I've done that a lot more consistently this year mm-hmm. I think I've golfed twice at least twice a week thanks to COVID. Every week yeah um and then I wanted to shoot under 78 was my main main goal so you had to
1: score a goal too then
0: yeah yeah but okay. like it's not always my focus I think it'll be maybe more later in
1: the year because I still have like things I know I have to work yeah, that's right on my game to get it there yeah, the tough thing with us is we we progress throughout the summer with golf and we tweak things along the way, and in August, September, we, we kind of peak, and then all of a sudden it's minus 30. Yeah, right when you're hitting good, it's like, out. Oh. season spring. Yeah, and, and actually one of my goals was to golf, do winter golf a lot more. Yeah. And we did do that, actually. Yeah, we, we actually did, did, yeah. Regal made quite a few trips into Brown in this winter, and we went out to Shiloh for – Quite a bit, actually, and, and it turned out to be, whether it helped the game or not, it was just nice to get out with the guys and swing a golf club. Because there are winters where if you don't get away or if you don't get virtual golfing, you don't pick up a club for five months. It's just crazy. I would, I would say it helped a lot,
2: actually. Yeah. Just for your first swing, the first day isn't your first one in six months. Yeah, that's right. And it was
0: cheap entertainment, man. Like, out there, it was oh, yeah. unreal. Six on hours, on for twenty-five bucks,
1: or something, or five hours. Right.
2: You got any goals, Jar?
1: Well, I kind of said my one that I was trying to talk myself into, which hasn't worked yet, but I still got some time. And oh, lots of um, time. And the virtual golf is one more. I wanted to get some lessons this year. So I wrote that down, but I just I can't find the time to do it. Uh, maybe I
2: will. Who knows? Wouldn't What's recommend. It?
1: You wouldn't recommend getting lessons, no. You know what? Actually, on that note, we went to Gilbert the other day, and we were taking some videos and stuff just to have for um, for Instagram and whatever else, and some social media stuff. And I watched some of the videos of myself, and I could pick up what I was doing wrong. And I went to the range the next night, and I it fixed. Like I was, I was, I was cured, as they would say. But you don't see yourself swing. That's the hard part about golf is you don't see yourself swing. So if you aren't golfing with, um, you know, someone like yourself or you go, who, who will tell me if I'm getting quick or I'm doing this or I'm doing that, you really have no idea.
2: Right? Yeah.
1: Yeah, maybe you've felt it like so long that it's just the normal. For exactly you yeah. Yeah. So that's one thing that I would recommend actually is just take your – and on the and that's a tough thing. A lot of people do that at the range too, and, and your range swing is usually quite a bit different than on. The oh, way different. Way different thoughts, right? So if you're out there and you get a girlfriend or a boyfriend, just have them film some of your golf swings throughout the round and watch them back, and put them in slow motion if you need, and go work on a few things and sharpen up that
2: mental game. I have I have one really big thing that we missed. Okay. In my question. Brooke Henderson is seventh in the world right now. I'm actually surprised she's that low. And that doesn't get talked to her enough.
0: That's very true. Yeah, she's phenomenal. Yeah, I can't believe there's
1: seven people ahead of her. I wouldn't have guessed that. Yeah. What's her highest ever? She's got to be higher than that. I I'll, I haven't heard about her for a while, so maybe that's why she's kind of slipped down to seventh. Number three. But she was on fire for a while. <laughs> She's still she's super young. Yeah, she's a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, you born in '97. Yeah, she's got tons of time. Tons Holy of time. cow! Maybe we'll get her on the pod. <laughs> <laughs> now that yeah. we remember. Yeah, we'll keep dreaming.
0: <laughs> All right, boys. We well, made oh. it through another one. Made it through another one. I think All that'll. I right. uh, think that's going to wrap it up for things tonight. Uh, thanks for joining along with us episode three hope you uh, continue to join and stick around for episode four and beyond uh hope everybody has a good week we'll kind of get back to a little more consistent basis with these things hopefully just doing once a week we had a, a few hiccups in between but i think we got our shit sorted out so we'll try to keep pumping these out as con- consistent as possible uh but yeah have a good week
2: everybody peace out boys love you thanks for you know, always love you boys